What is so different to the church in Central Asia is noise. Mm. In Central Asia, the church is very small and very persecuted, and it meets in secret, and people do not make any noise in case somebody hears and reports them to the police. Even when they are singing, they will sing without making any noise. So they're just like fish, you know, they move their mouth like this, but nothing comes out. So they're also praising God, but they have to praise God without making a joyful noise. Now we're going today to look at the temptation of Jesus. The first temptation of Jesus is recorded in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is our passage this morning, and to understand what is happening, what is the meaning of this temptation, we must go back to the Old Testament. You see, Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And Deuteronomy chapter 8 is Moses reflecting on the gift of manna. Now, manna and quails were given to the children of Israel during the 40 years in the wilderness, and it is described for us in Exodus 16. So we must go to Exodus 16 in order to understand the temptation. And I'm going to read from Exodus 16. I'm going to read from verse 11. Exodus 16, verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omar for each person you have in your tent. Now, this manna, the word manna in Hebrew is, what is it? What is it? That became the name of the manna. This manna appeared overnight with the Jew, and it had the appearance of flakes of frost. Now, I think here in Ghana, you don't get frost. But where I come from in London, we get frost throughout the winter. When we wake up in the morning, the ground is frozen, and it is covered in white and this white is the frozen water, which is called frost. 
And as the sun comes up, the frost will melt and come back to being water and disappear. But you could eat this manna. It says in Numbers that it was like resin. It says in Exodus that it was as like wafers made with honey, like something made with olive oil. It was a tasty, it was an enjoyable thing to eat, and it was a superfood. It was like the avocado. The avocado is a superfood. It contains almost all the nutrition that we need. We can survive on eating avocados. We can survive, or they could survive, on eating the superfood of manna. And this manna was so important that some of it, I think you know, was kept in a golden jar and placed in the Ark of the Covenant. And even the writer to the Hebrews, writing thousands of years later, describes how behind the second curtain in the most holy place and the, where, where there was the gold-covered ark, the ark contained the gold jar of manna. So why was it so important? Why was manna kept in the ark of the covenant, which was kept in the holy of holies in the inner sanctuary of the temple where only the high priest would go once a year. Why did manna matter so much? Well, of course, as we know, it was the food of the people. The manna was provided for the people until, as we read in Joshua 5, until they kept the Passover in the promised land and then that day, the manna ceased. So for 40 years, it was their food. It was their sustenance. It was their means of survival in the harsh Sinai desert. But why was it so important that a jar of manna was kept in the Ark of the Covenant? It wasn't just because it was food. It was because of what it represented. The manna represented God's faithfulness. You see, day by day, week by week, year by year, the manna came from heaven and the people fed on it and survived until that day when they ate the produce of the land and then the manna stopped. It represented the faithfulness of God, but it also represented something else. Something that we don't really want to think about. Something that was an important part of the temptation of Jesus by the devil. It represented man's disobedience. You see, the manna was a test sent by God. We can read this in Exodus 16. You see, the whole context of the sending of the manna is the people are grumbling against their leaders. Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to him, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. People grumble against their leaders. It happens. As leaders, we have to learn to be tough, to have a thick skin, to not be upset by grumbling or by criticism. 
But this was being taken to an extreme. The people were not only accusing Moses of poor leadership, they were accusing him of genocide, of the intention of destroying the entire nation of Israel. They were accusing him of having taken them out into the desert to kill them all, the men, the women, and the children, to wipe out the nation. This was the opposite of what Moses was doing. And Moses was deeply upset, but it was not about Moses. It was about God. You see, God says in verse 8, You will, God says in verse 8, Who are we? You are not grumbling against us. Moses says in verse 8, Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. So the people were complaining, they were grumbling, they were rebelling, not just against Moses and Aaron, but they were grumbling against the Lord. And so the Lord sets them a test of obedience. And this is why he sent the manna. You see, he sent the manna with some very specific instructions. I'll read them for you. In Exodus 16 and verse 15, Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omar for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. This was the first part of the test. No one was to gather more than they needed. But what did they do? We read that some of them, they gathered more and they tried to store it up. And then they found the next day it was rotten and full with maggots because they had disobeyed the Lord. Why? Why did they gather more? And this was the test. They gathered more so they would not have to depend on God to send the manna the next day. They would be okay because they had their own private supply of manna in their tent. They wouldn't need God. They could look after themselves. They could provide for their own family using their own supply. God wouldn't matter. That was their disobedience. You see, God set the test so every day they would have to depend afresh upon the Lord to provide the manna. And then the second test is something similar. We continue. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. Two omars for each person. And the leaders of the co community came and reported this to Moses. 
he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a daily rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save what is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you're to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any of it. Nevertheless, Some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instruction? So on the sixth day, they were told to gather more. They were to gather two portions because on the Sabbath, the manna would not come. And that second portion was preserved and was good to eat, and they ate it on the Sabbath. This was the test. But again, they failed the test. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it but they found none. Why did they go out on the Sabbath? Because they did not believe that the Lord would provide for them on the Sabbath day. So again they went out to provide for themselves, to look after themselves, to meet their own needs instead of trusting in the Lord their God. This was the test of the manna. This was why the manna was so important. This was why there was manna in the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy of Holies, in the inner sanctuary of the temple, because they were reminded that God is faithful and that man is disobedient. You see, the message of this sermon is simply this. God's way, not my way. God's way, not my way. We as human beings are always trying to do it ourselves, to solve our own problems, to rely on our own strength, to gather our own manner, to provide for our own family. We are not willing to trust in God to do it God's way, to allow him to daily provide for our needs, to be God in our life, and to only trust in and obey him. And so, to move the story forward, we go to the death of Moses. You see, Moses spent those 40 years in the wilderness with them. He was a humble, he was a meek, he was a patient man. He had to put up with the grumbling, with the disobedience. And in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses writes his last testimony. The book of Deuteronomy is Moses reflecting on the events of his life and writing the lessons He is delivering his final words. The final words of Moses are the book of Deuteronomy, and in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he talks about this specific incident of the manna. I can read to you Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. Moses said, The Lord God humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, 
which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You see, the manna was not just to feed you, but to teach you. You heard those words, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone. There was a lesson to be learned from the manna. And in that chapter, Moses continues to explain the lesson. You see, he says in verse 16, He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble you and to test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. That was the lesson that was taught by the manna, that it is God who gives the increase. It is God who gives the blessing. It is God who gives the wealth. It is God who gave the manna every day and twice on the sixth day. And yet we say to ourselves, my power and the strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me. We as human beings are always inclined to provide for ourselves, to believe that we can provide for ourselves, to store up wealth and money and resources and manna and to believe we can do it on our own. We can do it my way and not God's way. And this is why Moses says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by obeying every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You think about those Israelites. You know, there's something that's been said about them. I think it sums it up very well. It took one day to get Israel out of Egypt. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. It took one day to get Israel out of Egypt. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. What does that mean? What it means is that it took 40 years to change their mindset. It took 40 years to transform their thinking. It took 40 years to teach them, 40 years of eating manna every day for them to know that the Lord provides, that it is God on whom we depend and not ourselves. It took 40 years to lose the Egypt mindset. And it's going to take 40 years for us. It's going to take longer. I'm more than 40 years old, as you know, and I'm still learning these lessons. It's going to take a lifetime for us to control our human nature, which says, I can do it and I'm going to do it my way. And to learn, we must do it God's way. So, as I conclude, I want us to go back to where we started. I want us to go back to Matthew 4. the first temptation of Jesus. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, 
tell these stones to become bread? Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's just think a little bit about this. When was the first time when the devil used food to bring disobedience? In the Garden of Eden. He's been doing it that long. And here we have Jesus, who for 40 days has been in the wilderness of Judea. And he is hungry. And the devil is saying to him, see those stones? Turn them into bread. He's tempting him with food. Now, actually, in another situation, there would be nothing wrong with Jesus turning stones into bread. I mean, after all, he fed the 5,000. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Why should he not have taken stones and fed them, turned them into bread and fed the 5,000 with that? There was nothing wrong itself with the miracle of turning stones into bread. It was what the devil was asking him to do that was the temptation. What the devil was saying to Jesus, who was hungry after 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, what the devil was saying to Jesus is, you're the son of God, you can do miracles, feed yourself. Turn those stones into bread, provide for yourself. And what Jesus is saying is, no, I have a father in heaven who knows my need and he will provide. I will wait for the provision of the father. I will not do it myself. I will not fall into the trap of the Israelites who gathered too much manna, who gathered manna on the Sabbath. I will listen to the lesson of the manna as recorded by Moses. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by obeying every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. I will wait for God to provide. And he does. And the devil is defeated. And the temptation is resisted. And Jesus remains, as he always will, without sin, as a perfect saviour. And so, what about us? When we are tested with the test of the manner, when the devil comes to us, and says, turn these stones into bread. Are we going to sort it ourselves? Are we going to do it my way? Are we going to provide using our own strength and our own power? Or are we going to do it God's way? We have a faithful God. A God who can be trusted. And I'm going to hand over now to the pastor to conclude the teaching and to lead us further. Amen. Morning by morning, new mercies. All I have needed thine as provider. is thine faithfulness. May we be upstanding. Lord, is thy faithfulness. 
want us to reflect on the message we have just heard, beginning on the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. It is He who called us. And it is He who is working in us and through us. He is able to provide. Indeed, He is the one who has provided. He is faithful. He changes none. Reflect on the faithfulness of God for your personal life. The many areas in your life that our God has shown His faithfulness. And appreciate Him in your hearts and your minds. God who is faithful. The one who has decreed and caused it to come to pass. He is a faithful God. And this is clear in the word we have heard today. The faithfulness of God. He brought manna because he is faithful. He led the people through the journey on the wilderness because he's faithful. Even by putting them to test, it's because he's faithful. Great is thy faithfulness, oh God, I there is no shadow of also that though God is faithful there's also the side of the disobedience of man and here we have to come to the Lord in prayer and surrender and pray for forgiveness not once but on many occasions so the Lord even asks for how long Will these people not take my instructions and obey me? Now, beloved Lord, I want to lift up a voice in prayer. Reflecting on our position and our relationship with, our, uh, with God in terms of our walking with him. 
How obedient are we to his word and his instructions? Today, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. Lift up a voice, lift up a prayer, and speak to the Lord and ask for the God forgiveness. Let us pray, lift up a prayer unto him. Many ways we have to disobey, in many ways. Lift up a prayer, seek his forgiveness, seek his mercy, ask for forgiveness, pray to him. And tell him we have erred, tell him you have erred, tell him we have not been consistent in our work with him, tell him we have, we have erred, we have gone astray in many ways, we have acted against his commandment, we have acted against his instructions. Don't take it. Take just for a day. We have taken it for two days. Now don't go out for it. And we have gone out. We are looking, searching for it. Seek. Pray that he will forgive us. Pray that he will forgive us. Pray that he forgive us. Jesus is our example who said, Man will not live by bread alone. Sometimes you realize that as human beings, our working life, our working life is all seeking after nothing but food. Nothing but food. So there are many ways that the devil comes in to tempt us and, and all through food. We are asking the Lord for mercy this morning. We are asking the Lord for his mercy, for his grace. For his grace so that we will be able to go through life. Knowing that he is a faithful God. And so we will totally take out the self, the self, the myself, the I. The I should go. The I should go. I can do it. No, it is God who will do it. Let's take the I out. Let's take the self out. Let's surrender to him. Let's depend on him alone. The one who lives forever. The one who changes knows. Let's surrender and tell him we want to depend on him now. We want to depend on him. I surrender all to him I freely portion of the scripture that touched me. When the people went out and collected more than they were required, the manna turned into maggots the next day. When they went out to search when they were not supposed to go out, they found nothing. But then there's an aspect that said, 
Then people gathered many, and others also gathered little. But the one who gathered more has not much than the one who gathered little. It shows that we need to depend on him. I surrender. Oh, that will come to a point where we will recognize. Come to the point where we will only act because he says so. We will only move because he has given instruction. May he bring us to that level. So our relationship with him will move, grow from one level of grace to another. Amen. We want to invite Enakitia to lead us as we take our tithes and offering. Shall we prepare and take our tithes? We begin from the back there, tithes and offering. We begin from the back. Song leaders, can you come up stage? Lead us in this process. Hallelujah. Shall we please rise? Gonna dance and praise him. It doesn't matter what comes my way, the greater one lives inside of me. His name is Jesus.